Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Dumb with Friends, our little side project on on uh, Dumb with Speak. I'm Roy. I'm Chaitlin. <laughs> well, professionalism thrown out the window. Okay, so we've had some issues this morning getting our board going. We were supposed to start recording about oh, half an hour ago, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're welcoming a, a friend today that, uh, uh, I don't know, several months ago, almost a year, I guess, we had uh, Pastor Tom on. So today we're going to have Brother Dan. Well, okay. That's an inside joke. Pastor Dan is here today, and he's going to tell us a little something about himself, because he's going to be uh, featured in another episode uh, in the future time, in which, uh, future, that makes sense, because we're talking about the eschaton, in which we are finally going back to eschatology, end times prophecy, etc., and he'll be joined with, by our friend Jonathan, who was on the previous episodes. How are you doing today, brother? Okay, doing great. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you here. We are. We're. I'm excited about this. I. I told my wife last night. I said, I feel like a, a kid. Whenever we, for some reason, I don't know why. There's nothing fancy about our setup, as you just saw. But uh, I, I like having people here to be in the conversation because Chaylin yeah. and I, and we've said this before. Our our uh, podcast is essentially an extension of our phone conversations <laughs> through the week. So. Uh, you know, when we have somebody else in, we have to be on our best behavior. So today I'll try to keep the corny dad jokes to a minimum. So tell us a little something about yourself, your, your walk with, in, with Christ, um, you know, yeah, anything about your background you want to give us. Okay, sure. I, I see your UK jacket, so I know you're a Wildcat fan. <laughs> well, yeah, I have, uh, we've been in Kentucky for 29 and a half years. Uh, we moved up from Texas. My wife's a native of Dallas. I'm from Arlington. Really? And, uh, yep, we met on a blind date uh, back when. There's a lot of history to that. Uh, don't, don't regret it, huh? <laughs> don't regret it a bit. Been married 36 years, and uh, we got married in 85. Anyway, I, uh, I made a profession of faith in Christ when I was seven, and I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Arlington, and uh, we were there just about every Sunday. And um, went to Billy Graham Crusade or two and things, really? things of that nature when I was a kid. But I uh, remember that time, I I just remembered as being incredibly emotional and it really impacted me when I knew that I needed to be saved. I knew Christ was the only way and, and I would uh, enter in by faith. And with, with as much understanding as a seven-year-old can have, right? I, I uh, thinking back on that as I entered seminary. Once I, I'll get to that part of the story later when I hit about thirty. But I uh, just just uh, remembered that time being uh, very real to me. So, however, like I think happens a lot in the modern church, we kind of lose something a lot. Well, it can happen to anybody anywhere, but sometimes we don't follow up in discipleship like we should, and and that's nobody's fault. I just growing up as a kid I, I i learned quite a bit as we went on through sunday school and uh at everything but um it was kind of a weekend thing yeah and anyway weekend uh, warrior for christ weekend warrior yeah. <laughs> well that's that's 90 percent of professing christians in america i would say <laughs> honestly i think a lot of us have probably been there at some point. oh i've oh, lived yeah, especially yeah, in I, the early i've lived stages. the experience you're talking oh, yeah. about i also was converted at a young age and and yeah. i also Struggled with commitment. Yeah, not not uncommon. No, but anyway, so I uh, fast forward to teen years and everything. I just got full of myself, and I was pursuing my own dreams, and 
uh, loved sports, and so I was involved in three or four different sports. And but my first love was soccer, and I excelled at that to some degree. Really? Yeah. They had uh, soccer in Texas <laughs> in the eighties. <laughs> well, in the Dallas area, they did because there were three or four big markets. Really? In the United States for well, this was the seventies. I was in. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I was you, in high school. You were talking about eighty five. Was yeah, when you yeah. Got, well, yeah. That's that's right. That's and college. I got. Oh wow. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but in the seventies. Um, you know, there was Seattle and there was St. Louis and the New York, New Jersey area. Right. And then Dallas. I mean, those were, I, I just remember those being some of the largest soccer markets. And so we had, yeah, city leagues. And I things think of that, soccer know. as being a sort of nineties and post nineties yeah. fad yeah. that has become, you know, it's mainstream now, but yeah. in America, you know, I grew up in this area. And so yeah. for me, it was, uh, it was basketball or football. Yeah, and if yeah. you were and and for every young male, it was, of course, Little League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Chandler did them all, probably. He liked he liked yeah. sports. No, the first high school, actually, that I went to, of course, our high school was closed and consolidated. It's, you know, we talked about that kind of on the way here. Mm-hmm. But we didn't even have a soccer team until we consolidated high school. Nobody knew what soccer was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we didn't – we knew what it was, but we didn't yeah. have an organized team. There was no organized feeder leagues. There was, yeah, right. there was none of that. Yeah. Yeah, soccer's everywhere now. Yeah, yeah so – and of course, it's the most popular sport in the world. Sure. Hundred sixty something. It's real football. You actually use. Yeah, your it's it's football. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I had a lot of fun with that. I got to go to England and play for a for a little bit, and I uh, played in college. And, but anyway, but the but the point of all that was I just I drifted from my focus on the Lord, and and the older I got, the farther I drifted, and I just focused on my own selfish pursuits. I I never thought about really seeking God's direction for my life at that time. Right. I should have been, but well, so in college I found myself really estranged from my fellowship with Christ. Um, not living a life that, that was marked by Christ. What was your major? Obviously it wasn't Bible. Well, no, no, I didn't plan on going to the ministry at all. No, I, I was driving as hard as I could drive for, Pro soccer, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. International. And I got to try out on the junior national and junior Olympic team back when I was 17 and all that. Um, so I so I had en- enough taste of it where, I, yeah, that's what I really wanted to do. Right. Well, I selfishly pursued that. And um, I really believe, and I describe it this way, that the Lord had to pull that rug out from under me. And he mercifully did. It, it, it hurt at what I thought at the time. It was a devastating change of life. But. Uh, God in his mercy, he had to get my attention. And so I was injured quite a few times in college and, and, and just thereafter. And uh, just through a series of circumstances, I realized, okay, I'm I'm not going to <laughs> make a living this way. God, uh, and I still, and, I, and I'm a slow learner, so it took me a, 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 quite a while. Dude, to, I hear you, I hear you. To realize that, oh, it's the lordship of Christ in my life that's directing. I mean, I, he's Lord whether whether we recognize, we it, recognize it or not. Yes. It or not. Yeah, I, said, I hate the term "make him Lord of your yes, life." No, we've talked about that. No. Maybe not, Chalen, because we don't make him anything. No. He either is God or he's not. Right? He's Savior and Lord. That's you right. can't cut that in half. And um, so Jesus graciously made his lordship evident in my yeah. life. Made himself known. And then, and I'm still stubborn, and I'm still a slower. So. 
uh, it took me years of, of journey and, and learning lessons and, and uh, realizing that I needed to, uh, you know, re- and, and I really, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So um, anyway, I uh, one day was heading down to one of the recruiting offices for the military Okay. in the 80s. A lot of story behind that. But I uh, thought, well, I'm just going to be as mean and tough as I can be. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to find direction there because I, I, I just was flailing in college. I didn't know what to do. I'd gone for a year, and I was bombing out. Yeah. I had a terrible GPA and everything. Couldn't get focused. I've worked a lot of industrial jobs. Oh, I've, I've been there and done that. And mm-hmm. I got the transcript to prove it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I won't even tell you what GPA <laughs> But um, they weren't sorry to see me go, I'll say that. <laughs> but I uh, worked a lot of hard jobs, and I thought, you know, I, I don't know what I want to do. I don't have any direction. I'll just Were you still in Texas? Join the Marines. Oh, yeah, still in Texas, okay. yeah. This is in my early 20s. Okay. Um, so was heading down to the recruiting office. I thought, well, I'll just go down to Marine. I'll just, I'll just go into the Marine Corps. And I pulled into the parking lot, and before I got out of the car, I just sat there. Something stopped me. And, um, you know, I didn't know what to do. I just, and I thought, and it just hit me. I thought, you know what? No, I'm going to be a coach. I said, if I can't play soccer, I'll coach it because, you know, I want to be involved. So, anyway, I just turned the car around and went back and thought, I'll get back into college and I'll, I'll get on that track. So, I did. And I ended up with an education degree, phys ed, history, like especially back then. That was yeah. typical package, especially for a coach. Phys ed and history. You can always teach American oh, history. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Can, and I, you know, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, that explains the overlap in our. Okay. You were looking at my bookshelves and you said, <laughs> yeah, I have that book. I have that book. Plus, you said you went to England, which that's a whole other thing. I'm a big Anglophile. Oh, yeah. I have. Uh, Row after row of yeah, I noticed things that. involving English history. Oh yeah, I, I I'm really fascinated with all that and and uh, just and this not just the sport but the cultures, yeah, Europe and all. Well, anyway, I uh, uh, where was I? I uh, you, you got went back to back teaching, to, yeah, education, went back to college, yeah, or college. To Thank teach. you. And um, played ball uh, as much as I could. Kept getting injured, and, and so that, that got X'd out. And I uh, started focusing on my studies, and, you know, and I realized, okay, I have to perform. I have to do well on my grades, and so I started making honor roll and doing well. So I got out, and in Texas, I started. I got my uh, teaching certificate and um, started teaching and coaching. And um, that, uh, of course, you're in Texas. You're going to coach football. and American football. That's and then, right. And, and you can. It you, is Texas after all. That's right. <laughs> and I'd played in high school some. So, that, you know, that was fun. I enjoyed all that. And I especially enjoyed all the athletics. And I grew up in locker rooms. And so, you know, I, I, I couldn't wait to get on the field every day. So you felt comfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I did you thought some, you'd found your, yeah, your yeah. niche. Mm-hmm. Teaching was hard in a lot of places. Of course, I moved around a lot because I got, had coaching jobs for soccer real quick. And uh, so I hopped schools and um you know and a lot of the classroom was rough in yeah. some places um so anyway uh met my wife anyway uh in uh 
the 80s there, mid-80s, and uh, we met on a blind date. And, and I still wasn't surrendering things to the Lord, even right. as I started teaching, even as I met her. And she didn't have the background in a Christian church like I did. So it's just amazing, God's yeah. mercy. It's amazing what he uh, did with us, what he brought us through. Our marriage was was rocky a few years in because part of my story is I just I developed a, a drinking habit when I was in college, and you don't think about it being an issue, you know, when it's uh, just seems to be part of the landscape. You but, know, go ahead. Everything you're saying <laughs> <laughs> reminds me, in some ways, of things that I've dealt with. You could, so, you yeah, can relate. Yeah, that. yeah, that's probably that. a fairly typical American story. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. not. I don't doubt it. Well, I stayed away from drugs because I thought well, that stuff's illegal, and I'm going to get hooked on it. So, I, you know, I'm going to stay away from that. It was around in college too. Nothing like it is today. But, uh, but I, but we did go out and drink a lot, and so I just that just carried that with me on into my marriage. And, right. and then when I'd have one day after another tough at school, I mean, when you do that job correctly, it's, it's a tough job and I had long commutes on driving for some years when I was teaching and coaching around Dallas. And anyway, it just, uh, you know, and, and plenty of jobs I did, you, you went to work and you slept a little and you ate and you went back to work. Yeah. That's pretty much what you do. So I'd come in every evening, especially after hard days and, get me a big tumbler full of something you know? yeah a lot of cold pizza too i'm sure <laughs> yeah. well anyway so we that was one of the issues where our, our marriage had bumpy spots and and you know we could have easily been divorced you know just, and it would have been my fault absolutely all my fault sure i'm living and, proof of oh, god's grace and giving you a gracious oh, woman god was so gracious i should have been left years ago <laughs> yeah pay yeah my wife's amazing yeah, yeah. So uh, then I uh, just through a series of events, and there's so much to the story that I'll just uh, fast forward here. I uh, God just kept the hound of heaven, right? The whole right. Just because when He has His hand on your life, He doesn't remove it. No, and He's going to keep. When I'm so thankful, Scripture says that He is faithful, yeah. even when we are faithless. I mean, He. So he was faithful to his covenant promise. He was that I didn't even understand when I came to Christ as a kid. He was breaking off pieces of that shell you had yeah, over you. Yeah, exactly. So I, 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 so at one point we we moved to Colorado one year. I I told my wife when I asked her to marry me, I said, uh, "Well, listen, I love the Rockies. I love snow ski, and that's where I'm going to live." Right. And so when I slid the ring across the table to her reunion tower in Dallas one night, I said, so will you be willing to go to Colorado? I just, I had a place picked out in Colorado and Durango. I said, will you be willing to go with me to, to start a new life up there? And she goes, sure. And so that was okay. So one day I come in from driving super shuttle all summer <laughs> through Dallas, Fort Worth traffic out of the airports and, you know, working a summer job when I'm, when I'm off from teaching and coaching and I came in, and I just threw the t keys on the table, and I said, that's it. I said, 
You weren't doing the commute anymore. We're both gonna. <laughs> we're both gonna any of it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So we're both gonna take a week off work. We're gonna go to Durango, get a little hotel room. We both find jobs and a place to live. And and I hadn't prayed about any of this. So I was, you know, I said then we're gonna move up. So we did, and and we did. So we worked up at a ski area, and I skied every day. You know, for we were only up there about a year. It, but that was a God thing too. It was like a break. It was uh, a vacation yeah. in a way. <laughs> well, more for me than my wife. Okay. <laughs> she, she was working a little harder than I was. Uh, but uh, we rented a little cedar house halfway up the mountains. And Dude, just, you're killing me. I, oh, I love I, the I, idea. Listen, I, I, I My was, wife hates the cold. I was, we, had, uh, we had 72 inches of snow and 36 hours once at our house. Awesome. And then about 80-something inches up at the skier. Snow just reminds me that God is pure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Reminds and, me I'm old. <laughs> well, I, I will say I hurt more oh, now. Oh, I, yeah, I in, tried. In February when we had that snow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I had to work out in it, you know, because I, yeah, yeah. I drive. And it's like, oh, I don't oh. want to do this anymore. Well, I tried to ski with my son a year ago, January. Uh, no, it'll be a year ago this January. Yeah, last January. I uh, And I realized I can't really do that anymore like i used to do. you felt things and it wasn't oh, good man. oh i couldn't even hardly walk couldn't get in and out of the truck but we uh we did that for a year and then so after being there a year we're loading a u-haul and we're pulling out and i'm 29 at the time okay. we were there in 88 part of 89 oh i got had all kinds of things happen in between i got slammed by a snowmobile Coming down the mountain one day, uh, we're, 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 all the public's off the mountain. I've got friends and their lifties and ski patrol and everything. We're coming from the backside. I'd worked on the far side of the mountain that day, and I was leading the pack out. It was just random. Right. There's a whole bunch of us. We had maintenance guys on ski dudes behind us, and then me and several other guys in ski patrol that I was working with, and I would just happen to be the front skier out. And I come to a blind head wall. It's just that when you have the mountain comes down and levels out and then it drops again and, and when it's a blind head wall when you you know you can't see over the over the lip you can't right and so I we were cruising about thirty five forty on the skis and and I right as my tips broke the top of that head wall and once again everybody's off the mountain so we're just especially yeah. when you're skiing no matter when it is you. You're skiing down the mountain, you have right away, you know, and you don't expect anything coming at you. Absolutely. And right as my tips crossed that head wall, the ski patrol was on a ski do coming up, and his the nose of his do was right, heading right from my knees. And, I mean, he was right there uh, coming up the mountain, and he was moving. Oh, wow. And I, I didn't have time to do anything. I just quickly, I said, just get your butt down. And so I just threw my legs up into there, threw my skis up, and – twisted through my rear end down and that i played football and i've been in a lot of car wrecks and i've even been thrown off a van chassis and <laughs> unloading rail cars from general motors at, at 35 miles an hour inside of a train but i've never been hit as hard as that snowmobile hit me oh wow he uh i just went flying through the air landed on my back and i just was felt this burning sensation from my mid waist down incredible and then i didn't feel anything and uh so the guy that hit me he was once again he was ski patrol uh, they took me down on an or on a board 
took me down on the sled and uh you know i was just coming down that mountain i'm i'm just praying that was a funny thing to do because i hadn't done much of that and you know it's funny how you know god can really get your attention sometimes so i'm coming down on the medical board trolls take me down to x-ray did you think you were going to be paralyzed yeah, Is that oh, what yeah. you were thinking oh yeah and i said god just help me to be brave you know i said mm-hmm. i can't feel my legs and so they get me down there x-ray me and they say everything looks fine really and after i laid there for about an hour i started heating up again and i could feel and, and i stood up and walked out of there and i was so thankful anyway there's there's a lot to school seems like it traumatized your spinal oh, cord yeah, but yeah. not enough to actually yeah well i've got a crack in a lower lumbar vertebra that they for some reason didn't find the x-rays that day that caught up with me years later okay but that's a whole new story but the ski patrol that hit me he comes i went to work the next day could barely move but i had to be back up there and he he came to me and he goes man i'm glad to see you up and going and i said well i'm really glad he goes you don't know and he goes and and this guy and i didn't we didn't think in terms of you know being litigious we didn't well you know i i just didn't grow up with that Uh, we were independent and responsible we didn't even think about but what he did he broke every rule and law on the mountain (laughs) and he's one of the top safety guys right and then he comes and he starts just telling me what he was thinking when that happened and uh i thought man i could take what you're telling me and sue everything you (laughs) You could burn him for that yeah so he comes to me and goes he goes man he goes dude when i hit you he goes i was looking back at my toe and what we used to do is we'd put our ski poles in a rope on the back of the the ski dudes and they sometimes the patrol would tow us to different stations when we had to go up before the lifts were running in the morning because we were the ones that cranked them all up and so he had a tow he was bringing another patrolman up to a lift hut they had up on top of the mountain and when they come to a head wall coming up like they're supposed to stop and check for traffic right. he just he said i because I, I had that dude he's coming up a steep mountain but he he had it pegged out yeah and he was looking back to make sure his toe was doing okay and he wasn't watching or anything no and he said when i hit you because i thought i hit a tree he said my engine died and it slammed my head into the windshield and i saw where he had hit it and he goes, man, I just thought I hit a tree. He goes, and I looked over and saw you in the snow. And I said, well, I, I thought it felt pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so I, I walked out of there and I ended up being okay. I'm so thankful. And uh, So is this the turning point for you? Well, it's just one of several things. Several. But anyway, you, you guys indulge me on that story. No, no. I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there were several things, but. But I remember praying during that time, and so after that, I, one day, while working there, I I picked up a little green Gideon pocket New Testament that they give you in college. And of course, once King again, James Version, I Yeah, hope. yeah. Okay. And once again, I grew up in church, and I had plenty of Bibles, but I had that little bitty pocket New Testament. And one day, I just, I found, I can't remember where I found it in the house, and I, I just stuck it in my jacket pocket. Mm-hmm. And I got up on the mountain, and I'm I'm working on the backside. Matter of fact, it was during that really heavy, heavy, heavy snow. And so we basically did a lot of shoveling that day is all we did. And I'm back there for a long time by myself, and I got that Bible out. And I said, and I just prayed a kind of an 
really an arrogant prayer. I said, in a way, I said, God, I said, when I was seven, I believed that this was your word truly and that Jesus Christ, your son, and God incarnate is the only way of salvation. And, and I said, if this is really your word, <clears throat> then I know it's, it's, it's true and powerful. If this is, and I said, so I'm going to read this again. And I want you, I want your truth. I don't, I'm not going to go to church. I don't want to hear any preachers. I mean, I'm telling God <laughs> what I'm going to do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, but I want truth. I want the truth. And if, and I said that I believe this is where it is, your truth. And I said, so I'm going to, I want you to show me. You, well, you were throwing down Gideon's fleece, weren't you? I, was like, I mean, I was. Did you get the Job response? <laughs> Who are you? Oh, man. Were you there when I hung the stars? Well, it, once again, it took me a while to learn. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyway. We, we, we're humans. Oh, yeah. We're little ants, but we're arrogant ants. We do. Like worms, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. What David's. So, anyway, you can guess what happened. But we ended up loading the truck, leaving after one year. I had tears streaming down my face. Hadn't cried in 15 to 20 years, probably at that point in life. <laughs> and, and, and I'm getting ready. I start the U-Haul. We're getting ready to leave. And I'm just sitting there at 29 years of age, you know, and just, you know, I'd, I'd fight just for the fun of it. And I had tears just pouring down my face. And Paige goes, are, are you crying? <laughs> and I said, what are we doing? Why are we going back to Texas? I can't believe this. And, this mountain almost killed you, and you were uh, sad. Well, to no, leave. I didn't want to go. <laughs> you you know, no way. But anyway, I, just a series of events for the decision, and so we left, got back, and it was the hardest time when we got back to Dallas, and that was a really tough period. And um, I had a grandmother praying for me. Uh, always. Now, now, have you all been having children during this time? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> okay. God was good enough to try to let let me grow up. And <clears throat> Paige same, thing, had to, same thing happened to me. I was married seven years before I had the seven first years. Kid. That's and I, a, that's I, we have a lot of parallels, and I needed that. That's exactly to stop oh. being a man child and actually be a man. Oh my goodness, yeah. yes. And so, and my wife wanted children, and she so, did too. And I, I said, "There's no way I'm bringing kids into this messed up world." And this is over. I'm going to hug you. We have a lot of parallels. <laughs> and, it was, and it was seven years into yeah. our marriage one. But uh, so we come back. It was a terrible time. Um, drinking got worse and increased. And and I I didn't have any direction. Grandmother was praying for me. One day there's a knock on the door. And there's this great big ex-football lineman. And Randy Weeks, if you're out there, I love you, brother. <laughs> sure miss seeing you, but. One of the associate pastors from the church where Paige and I were married, right, in Arlington, and that, that, that's a story of great, great people there: Charles Clary and Randy Wallace and Week. And Randy Week standing there, never met the guy, and he goes, "Hey," he goes, Are "You Dan?" I said, "Yeah," and he goes, "My name's Randy Weeks," and he said, "Your grandmother told me you might be here today, and I, she's been praying for you, and I came over to talk to you." Well. He uh, he. basically, we had a great talk, and we had some things in common, too, in our life. And he uh, he just said, man, if you believe Jesus is Lord, then why aren't you living it? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. he just, he lovingly pressed me. Right. And so, yeah, that really hit home. And it was just, you know, once again, there's, there's a whole lot of little steps in between all this stuff. But that was kind of icing on the cake. And so I called page up and I said hey we need to 
let's get back in church. Let's, you know, and told her about Randy. And so we did. And Lord just worked really quick. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm just sensing a call to youth ministry. And it wasn't a stepping stone into anything else. I didn't have any plans. You weren't teaching at this point, right? You'd quit well, teaching. no, I was still teaching. Okay. I'd come back and gotten another teaching job. Yeah. Okay. So I was teaching and coaching. So you were used to dealing with kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. But what age group were you teaching? I taught everything from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Seriously? Yeah. I had uh, PE jobs, history jobs, math jobs that I wasn't qualified for, everything uh, else, because yeah. they... That bane of my existence. Yeah. And and I don't fault anybody for this, but they, they say, you know, education's first, but really, really coaching is first i got all my jobs through coaching and that they right. tacked on all the teaching duties after that there you go so anyway i uh uh we just got back in church lord really worked and i've sensed the call to ministry and so uh, i looked at Paige. we were we were in a worship service one day just happened to be when god was getting my attention on that and i looked at her and i said uh and i was just oh and i just remember shaking I just thought, my, my legs are going to give. I'm going to go down. You know, I was holding on to the pew. And Paige goes, are you all right? And I said, God's calling me to youth ministry. And so uh, she just hugged me. And uh, I went down and told our old football coach, Preacher Fred. And, and it was a big time of celebration. Got into Southwestern Seminary and just got, got busy. So you were at Southwestern? Yeah, I went to Southwestern in Fort Worth and and um used to be a very used to be a bastion of conservatism and now it's slipping. well actually come to find out when i was there and of course this was now 90 1990 you know i'm 30 years old when i did this okay yeah and so i realized i had to repent of a lot of things and neat and first thing i thought of was we, we need to take advantage of the the seminaries offer for free marital counseling and all that and i told Paige, i said this is all my fault and I love you and we're going to do whatever it takes. And so we did. And we just started with God's help working on all that. And this is where God began to fix you. Oh man. And so I've, and so I'm, I find myself, well, in tears on my knees, face down on in the living room floor. A lot of times with my Bible, just pouring out my heart to the Lord. And when I and when I read the part in Scripture where it talks about the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings, yeah, oh yeah, I know what that is because we speak in words we don't even understand I, how to speak to God. And and, and, and Roy and, and I know you guys will all understand this. I couldn't even speak half the yeah. time. I there I couldn't even talk. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just pouring it out to the Lord, and I'm telling Him as if He doesn't know, but He wants us to confess. How rotten I am. I'm a miserable fan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It reminds me of a quote Steve Lawson always says, before God will use a man greatly, he will break him greatly. Oh, yeah. Intensely. Usually. It reminds <laughs> me. Steve Lawson says that all the time. Yeah. Brokenness. So you uh, went to Southwestern. Yeah. And so got that done. And uh, what, what was your focus what was your well I, st I started out with an mdiv in biblical languages didn't have any background in any <laughs> realized I was making a big mistake there yeah <laughs> so you're studying greek and hebrew <laughs> well I, I i wasn't so uh uh 
prideful is to try to take both at the same time. Okay. So I started out with Greek. Okay. Did you at least things. begin with an introduction course? <laughs> or did you jump right in? Yeah, yeah, no, I had one of the hardest. I, I'll skip beginning and go to intermediate. Uh, I just go to, you just skip no, all no. that and advanced, go right to Greek. Advanced exegesis. I took the most basic Greek okay. starter course I could. Wait, what's the difference between a gamma and a theta? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go into Greek exegesis. Don't know a single word, but that's oh, what man. I'm going to. And and so I was going to go MDiv, and I really I really couldn't wait to study scripture. I wanted to get into theology as much as good. Anyway, so that got started, and, and then we got pregnant with our first baby. And so I looked at the whole situation, prayed and prayed about it, and I thought, okay, well God's taking me to youth ministry. I know that. I don't know where we'll go from there, but that's that's what He's calling me to. So I don't have to have an MDiv with biblical languages to do that. <laughs> So, so God, how about if we go with you know Christian education? You're not going to get much sleep when you're up at night with kids, so you might as well there, go with something a little easier. Is there a different route I can go here? You know, so we, so we did. So I did that, changed my major and everything. And Dr. Corley thought that was a great idea. My Greek professor, and uh, so came out with a MARE degree. So, but uh, got got the master's in religious education on it. And uh, but but for my electives and everything, I took as much theology as I could—just pure biblical courses, exposition right. of Acts with Doctor Jack McGorman. I, I I'll never forget that guy. He was amazing, and and so, but uh, got out and uh, we started pursuing. Uh, just we said, God, we'll go wherever you call us. You know, just please don't send me to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that old song please don't send me to africa i don't you remember that i used to, I used to Gotta, sing i'll do whatever you want but but just, just right here in this little area if you can Houston, avoid for me Houston's yeah. out of the question sir i want to yeah and i'll I tell can't you, do that no I, I said please i said please and that's I got, a qualifier oh, oh a you'd qualifier. learned you weren't praying oh, the no, way you used to no, pray no, okay god, it wasn't hey god it was here, god let me tell you something no, it was, Lord, please don't send me. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because I'd worked a, one of the little plugs that I didn't put in there, because I, but I worked a sales job right when I graduated college in 84 with my bachelor's because I got out in December and there weren't any teaching jobs, you know. Right. So, so I got this sales job, long story. I was flying southwest out of Love Field in Dallas every week going down to Houston because most of our problems were in Houston and my region, Texas and Oklahoma, for this company that was in New Jersey. Oh, well. It was in the office products industry. You know, go figure. But anyway, <laughs> I'm in a suit and tie, <laughs> which wasn't me. And I was briefcase. And I'm like, oh, I just hated it. And so, and I was leaving my wife and going down there and just trying to make a paycheck. And uh, it was like just walking into hostile land everywhere <laughs> I went because that company had neglected that region right. and all those office supply places that neglected them terribly. And so when I showed up, they go, who are you with? <laughs> Come here. I want to show you some, <laughs> you know? So that was my experience with Houston driving in. And it led to a great hatred. Oh, the traffic and everything goes by. So anyway, I got a whole bunch of calls from their initial calls and uh, had a, had everything from, but I flooded the Rocky mountain region with resumes and everything. And I got a call. You were trying to go back. Oh, yeah. Got a call from First Baptist Catch Can. They wanted to talk to me about running a remote challenge camp for teenagers, and I was so excited. I got a letter from them, and I'm reading that to my wife, and she's sitting on the couch 
about eight months pregnant by this time or seven, wherever we were. And she just starts crying. <laughs> and I said, well, I was so excited about going catch game. How could you not love this? <laughs> and the, it was talking about taking a float plane or raft to a fairly, through a fairly protected passage and then hiking in, you know, for 20 miles off the Bear River and all that. But it was remote. And she's just crying. And I go, what's wrong? She goes, God doesn't want to take my baby to the bush. <laughs> and I said, he does. Yes, he does. We pray about it. Pray about it. Uh, so anyway, so we prayed about it, and so guess what? I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it turns out God I didn't, didn't want your baby to go out in the bush. I didn't end up in the bush of Alaska. That's right. So, um, I'll I'll quickly tell this part of the story because it's just another another way. God just He directs us even when we don't realize He's directing and we don't see. Now, what age are you now? I am thirty two. Thirty two. Yeah, about 92, I got out okay. of seminary. Okay. And um, got a I got call. Mar- this year I got married. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, we got married in 85. And I got a call from a church in Florida. I was Went 12. to Jacksonville. You were 12. Shut up. <laughs> Good night. You Child. guys are young. Yeah. I got, uh, got in, went and they, they just rolled out the red carpet for me at this Baptist church in Jacksonville. And, you know, three days, fed me like a king. Had a huge youth group at this little church. and and anyway, uh, a lot of details, but I just said, well, you know, it, and, and they, the, the deacons and the pastor on that Sunday morning wrapping up that weekend, they called me to make a commitment right there to come and be the youth pastor. And I said, well, men, I am humbled by that, but I would like to go home and talk to my wife, pray about it and all that, if you don't mind. And so well, you're our man, you know, we know that let us know and. And I said, well, I appreciate just give me, you know, give me a week. How about a week? Let me just. So anyway, um, the pastor tells me as he dropped me off at the airport to leave on Monday morning. And nothing was said about this till the 11th hour. And the whole weekend I'm going, well, God, I guess if you don't show me any different, we're coming to Jacksonville, Florida. A long way from the Rockies. <laughs> yeah. A lot and, warmer. Uh, <laughs> a lot warmer. <laughs> yeah. And so. As we're pulling in the airport, he said, now, Brother Dan, of course, we're calling you to be our youth pastor. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, I want you. And, but he says, you're also education minister. I said, yeah, I understand that. And he said, well, your first priority here is not going to be youth ministry. We want you to grow, get us on the Sunday school growth spiral and grow our financial base oh. so that we can build a new church across town where the growth is happening. <clears throat> we want to move the church. And I just typical pragmatism. Oh, I just looked up to heaven and went, well, God, thank you for the answer. I'm not coming here because you've called me to youth ministry. And right. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fundraiser. Right. For you want to grow this guy's young minds and hearts. You yeah, don't want to grow yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah, necessarily. Yeah, it, was, I, it totally blindsided me. So I'm, I'm immediately praying out, Lord, how help me know how to say no to these folks with all these precious people that have treated me so well all weekend that was just a wonderful fellowship right but i i parted ways told him i'd call him and i did thanks but no thanks and uh anyway in the, in the course of context of phone calls one of the calls i got among many and it was just a five-minute conversation was with this guy in kentucky named tom branson and 
as I'm on the plane back from Jacksonville to Dallas, and my wife was going to meet me there and pick me up, the second I got on the plane, I got actually this little Bible <laughs> that I had in my hand. I've, I've uh, oh, wow. had a few that I've kept a while, but this yeah. one I can just. And so I just started reading, and I was just sitting on the plane praying and reading, and just, God, what, what? So what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And about halfway through the flight. And, I, and I'm talking like maybe 50 phone calls. 30 of them were from Houston. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just talking about initial contacts. Like, God was hey, testing. you're on our radar screen. We want to. And and the only call I had was Kentucky. It was five minutes. And Kentucky just hits my head. You know, it just comes into my head. And I'm just, I, I just dismiss it. And I'm praying and reading. I don't, and it just, by the time I landed, I, I, I walk out of the terminal and, and Paige goes, she hugs me and says, well, tell me about Florida. And I said, forget Florida. We're going, to, I got to call this guy in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't lived any of this that I, you know. Yeah. And she goes, what? and we didn't have cell phones. you know. So she goes, what? And I said, not going to Florida. Get me home. I got to call this guy in Kentucky. And it was late. It was kind of, well, I can't remember. No, it was just Monday morning. Took me to the airport. I don't remember the details, but I just remember us getting back kind of late. Must have had some stuff with family between. Now, were you a crazy Calvinist yet? No, and I'm not one now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but well, I just wondered because you know. But I, but I uh, went to work. I, with I, I, I uh, agree with some of his points. You went to the, work it, with the crazy the man institute. that we've had on this show yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, this, this is very different. Anyway, I'm 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 going pretty long here, but we uh, we get home. I call Tom, and I said. Uh, Hello, Tom. This is Dan. You call me. Yes. Yeah. And I said, well, I just got back from an interview in Florida and, and I rattled on for about 20 to 30 minutes and he didn't say a word. And I didn't even know what I was. I said, I don't really know why I'm calling you, but, and so I just told him what happened. Just kind of nervous energy. And I was like, I don't know why I'm talking to this guy or what I'm telling him. And so I got to the end and he had not said a word for 20 to 30 and he, which is, not Very characteristic of Tom. <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, I mean, yeah. he'll listen. Yeah, and, and, no and not end. typical of a lot of pastors. <laughs> right? I mean, he will. Oh, he will. He does listen. And he's probably the whole time going, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this crazy man from Texas? <laughs> and at the end of my talk, and I said, so that's what happened. And I'm not really sure why I'm calling you. I just couldn't get Kentucky out of my mind on the plane. And he goes, can you come see us tomorrow? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, well, just book a flight, get your rental car out of Nashville, drive on up here, I'll give you directions, and just come see us. And and that's what we did. And the Lord just knocked down walls one after another for us to. And, and there's some interesting stories about getting here, too. <laughs> so what year was this? This was uh, 92. We, we came here from Dallas in September, September 1 of 92. I started, yeah. And been been at the same church ever been since. Same church, doing, working in the same in the same field. stuff for almost thirty years. <laughs> God's and been good to you, though, hey, hasn't he? Oh, very good. Now and you've I, got how many children now? I have three, and they're all married. And uh, but there's something even more important, right? You have grandchildren. Grand grandchildren. Grandchildren. Yeah, four, yeah, four grandkids now. Yeah. And uh, you know, I didn't think I'd live to see forty. So the Lord is. Uh, Man can make his plans, but the Lord laughs at all of them. That's right. I was just sitting here thinking, I don't, my two girls are in youth with you, and I don't have a 
day that goes by that I don't hear one of them talk about Pastor Dan in some way, some way or another. Their Pastor Dan will come up in their conversation. I promise you that. Well, those are adorable kids. Lila will draw him a picture and then write to Pastor Tom. Oh, scratch it out, Pastor Dan. When you had your health scare, uh, he was telling me about Lila wanting to pray for you and stuff. That was was sweet. sweet. That was sweet. I'll tell you what, yeah. Yeah, it's been almost a year ago I had the heart attack, so we're... And that and that's another surprise. Yeah, <laughs> the Lord just—I mean, looking back on the circumstances of that day, it could have gone very differently. And the Lord just providentially—he—he's got you. Yeah. You know, well, Tom said everything fell in place. If you'd not oh, gone right when you oh, did, they said and that you would probably have oh. passed on. So. Did you have the massive heart attack or on the verge? I don't remember. It was one of the two. Oh, no, I had it. You I had mean, it, had but the in the hospital. In the hospital. Yeah. yeah, in the right place, right? <laughs> in the heart center. I mean, I was right there, and uh, hats and this off. this is COVID when nobody can go in, nobody can be in there. You're all by yourself. Yeah, it's December 7, 2020. Uh, Paige Ooh, is with me. Pearl and, Harbor Day. Uh, yeah. Interesting, yeah. And I, uh, uh, the Baptist Health Madisonville crew just was amazing, amazing. And uh, the Lord used them to keep me around now we're glad you're still here yeah i'm glad to be here <laughs> well listen yeah. we appreciate you coming and sharing your your story because it's mm-hmm. been fun for me uh interesting and you're uh you obviously have a heart and a passion for people and particularly for the youth uh i like what you do because you actually teach them and and there are very few that actually do that. I know of one other. He happens to be sitting here quietly in the room. <laughs> Has been for about 20 minutes. Uh, so we are going to have y'all on on another episode together, and we're going to do some other subjects. But that's going to be a separate episode. I wanted to keep this interview as its own thing, kind of like we did when we had Tom on here and stuff. But if you had one thing to say, this is p- putting you on the spot. If you had one thing to say about youth ministry and what it's done for you mm-hmm. or for your family not what you've been able to do for others mm-hmm. because god takes that you just sow seed mm-hmm. and let god water it and take care of it mm-hmm. but what has it actually done for you in what way has it blessed you or has it tore you down did it cause the heart attack you know what i'm saying <laughs> no <laughs> no the youth ministry definitely did not cause a heart attack i, I don't shake your head at me Chaylin. i'm gonna ask the hard questions that's <laughs> Bill Bill O'Reilly's got nothing on me. Excuse me. Do you blame the youth ministry for your heart attack? (laughs) That's the hard question. It was keeping it light. I was being a joker. But no, what I really want you to say is, why are you still in youth ministry? Well, if you said it's been 30 years. When you have a calling, I didn't take it lightly going into that. And so I I wanted to be real careful not to leave it unless I, and there, there have been things that have come up in missions and. Well, the, the reason I say that is because I know a lot of people who will take oh. youth ministry as a stepping stone. Yeah. I'm just going to be the youth pastor for two years, then I'll be the pastor somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. This is on my resume. Right. You know, it doesn't seem like it's like that way with you. No, I mean, I, I sensed at that time, however the Lord did that, that that's, that's what he was calling me to do. And, and even when I made attempts, because there were times, you know, yeah. you go through seasons. Sure. And I, I pursued this or that that came down the pike over the years and. And, and a couple of things I pursued really hard. And I was always open with my co-staff and everything about it at church. Um, and the Lord just uh, 
He just providentially directed us through those questions and kept us here. And but the thing that I one of the things that I've seen from youth ministry is just and I and I pray this for every minister, regardless of your the niche of your work, that he's God's faithfulness. God's right. faithfulness. Absolutely. Just even through all of our questions, all of our uh bumblings and everything else in life, you know, his the fruit that he is bearing in lives of kids that used to be in our youth group. Well, you and, said it best. He's faithful even when we're faithless. Right, right. So, well, you know, you're talking about that job. I'm thinking of the video from church last week. There's a church There's a church down the road I've been talking to. Hey, you're going <laughs> to cut this out, aren't you? You're going to take this out of the video, right? Yeah, that's a cute video, man. Y'all did pretty good on that. Still the funniest one is with Tom's mother. When he says, what, what did she say at the end of it? Who made you the pastor or something? <laughs> it's still the funniest video. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate you being on here, yeah, thank brother. You. And uh, that's that's Brother Dan, not Lieutenant Dan. And uh, we, uh, when did you start with all the brothers is what I'm trying to figure it's out. It's on purpose. Ah, I, yeah. I, a few weeks ago, I got him after uh, after music practice. I said, Brother Dan. Oh. I said, I'm only doing that because of Chalen. He, oh. he doesn't like to be called brother. No. <laughs> I'll but, be uh, anything, just chilling. That'll work. Thank you very much for being on our show. Yeah. We love you. Appreciate you. Love you. And uh, we hope everyone has enjoyed this. This has just been a bonus episode. This is Done with Friends, our second edition, I guess you'd call it of that. Uh, thank you all very it's much about for listening. How many friends we have. Well, that, <laughs> no, we got another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's about how many friends we have. That's it. We're topped out. I, I have We're out of interviews. Done with Friends is canceled. I That's probably it. have like We're three, all the friends. Actually, other, I probably only have about three other people in my life. But anyway, besides <laughs> my wife, and I don't know why she's still here. All right. Well, we love you. God bless.